Howdy, and welcome to a special edition of the lunch table called The Takeout. A special- if you want to know what we were laughing about earlier, feel free to donate on Patreon and we'll tune you in. <laughs> we'll let you know. I was recording. <laughs> Anyways, The Takeout, the special edition of the lunch table. This is where the we... The Takeout. The Takeout. The this, takeout. this is where we go over movies that we love and review them to give us a break from the normal kind of recording we do. Around it. So let me introduce who's around the table tonight before we get started. First, my left-hand man. The guy that you just saw previously. Right? Your first time back last time you were here. Now it's your second time. Sparky. <laughs> and as always, my right-hand man, Mr. Google himself, Drew Lotsenizer. <laughs> nice. And as always, your host with the most uh, potential. <laughs> Wasted. Wasted. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> Carl Jones. <laughs> I just thought about something. Yeah. If, if Sparky is left-handed and on your left-hand side, yeah. and I'm right-handed and on your right-hand side, yeah. that means that I have to reach all the way over me to get to you. He has to reach all the way over him to get to you. We need to switch. I need to be your left-hand man, and he needs to be your right-hand man so that you're right here. Mm. Yeah, but I want you guys facing the opposite way. No, we'd be facing each other. Yeah, but I don't want to see that way. Also, I'm right-handed. You're right-handed? Let's, yes! Let's get, get on get with this. Get the hell out. Let's get on with this. Okay, so. uh, howdy, and welcome to The Takeout. The special movie edition of The Lunch Table. Oh, yeah. Woohoo! I always like this. I, wait a sec. I always like this. Yeah. Because when we were in high school... And the general idea about the lunch table is we would always, like, get together and just have fun and, you know, talk about whether it be our day, bitch about teachers, or anything that we saw cool, anything that we did. Uh, regardless, it always came back to movies. Yeah. Well, dude, entertainment. Well, I mean, yeah. we're, we're a whole bunch of big movie nerds. Movie right, nerds. Yeah. yeah, we're just nerds. Yeah, just, you, you so really, it, feel, it feels very homey movies. coming back to it. It does. It does feel very homey. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves to talk about movies, right? Right, exactly. I guess so, yeah. Everyone, uh, well, I think it's something that everyone feels like they can be, uh, they can do. Like, I, I, can I, be feel, I feel like if a movie's done right, there's so many different ways to interpret it. So, like, I can watch a movie and you can watch the same movie, but we're going to have two different perspectives on it. Well, that, good point. Good point. Drew, would you like to, uh, tell the people what movie you picked? Tower Heist. Tower Heist. Now, coincidentally, the reason that I did watch this is because, or I, I said this one for the month, is it's November, uh, and the biggest holiday in November is Thanksgiving. Black Friday. Uh, and much like Die Hard is a Christmas movie, uh, this is marked as a Thanksgiving movie. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I mean, we'll get into it, but it, there's well, barely any uh, and, Thanksgiving sibling. <clears throat> fuck anyone who wants to skip Thanksgiving because I love fucking Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday. Right. I mean, football and food. What else do you need? That's it. That's it. I don't got it. No one expects me. F- just family. No we're, one expects we're, me we're to get gifts creeping, or nothing. We're slowly creeping into this um, Halloween to Christmas thing. And it's yeah. like, no. Well, give, give me Thanksgiving. I want my Thanksgiving. I forget who said it, but I was watching someone. It might have been Carl Smallwood on a, a YouTube channel I like to watch called Facts Fiend. That's that's CJ's uh, stage. No, it's actually it's actually a real person on Fact Fiend. He spells it with a K. But uh, he was talking about how the emos lost a war over uh, Christmas because of the pandemic because they had to shut everything down so they couldn't like. Buy all the Halloween stuff from protests to keep the Christmas stuff out. <laughs> so the emos uh, finally lost. <laughs> were you guys one of those assholes that ever said called it Xmas? No. No. Okay. All right. We can still be friends then. You didn't like Xmas. Merry it, Xmas. Why? It, it's not even really that much faster. No, and I don't get where does the X come from? Criss cross Chris no. Christmas. I don't know, maybe. It, for me, it's the same people who say axe instead of ask. Yeah. You, you're, yeah, di- that... you're diving down a racial disbate, di- <sighs> debate, and you need to stop. <laughs> Eddie Murphy would not appreciate that. Well, Eddie Murphy can lick my taint. <laughs> Make this famous blow it up. I know, this is when it blows up, dude. I ain't taking a bullet for that one. You can take a bullet for that one. Hey, you have a better chance of Joe Biden looking your taint at this point. He definitely tried to smell your hair. <laughs> <laughs> like a troll doll. I like to smell the under hair. <laughs> So true. Okay. Yes, CJ. <laughs> who's who's all in the? Did you read the back of the line? The back of the box yet? I I could I could read the back right. of the box here. <laughs> Hilarious, irresistible, and extremely entertaining. Ben Stiller and Eddie Murphy lead an all-star cast in a hilarious. Uh, comedy caper about a luxury condo manager Stiller who leads a staff of workers to seek payback on a Wall Street swindler, Alan Alda, who defrauded them. With only days until the billionaire gets away with the perfect crime, the unlikely crew of amateur thieves enlists the help of a petty crook slide Murphy to steal $20 million that sure is hidden in the penthouse. From the director of Rush Hour series, Tower Heist is so fun, it's criminal. Oh, that was punny. That was very oh, yeah. punny. It's criminal. Right at the end, their dad joke. <laughs> Hollywood always tries to sneak those in. It's like, just, just give it to me straight. Well, dude, it's because, it's because the owners, the people that actually run shit are so awkward, they don't understand humor. Yes. <laughs> people people actually talk like this it's like when they find cross-dressing so funny i've never laughed when i saw someone some dude in a dress it's never been funny to me Mm. i'm just like oh dude in dress but like dude there's some when it when it's hilariously bad though 
That's when, true. When it's Bugs Bunny. It's kind of funny. That's, that's yeah. Story. When it's Bugs Bunny. Or I guess when How someone... How do you do in your time? Bugs Bunny. In a dress. Uh, actually, you know how you find it. First you look up Space Jam because you're looking for Lola Bunny. Because <laughs> everybody knows the OG Lola Bunny. Yeah. Pot well, is that. that. Pot is that. that. That's why I didn't suggest Space Jam because when we talked for 45 minutes about how hot we find Lola Bunny. <laughs> but so. And then we wouldn't get anything else done. Uh, so, who's all in the cash group? Uh, this is a pretty star-studded cast. And uh, I was I was kind of thinking that this is one of the best ways to describe it. This is like The Expendables, but for comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how The Expendables gathered a whole bunch of people? This is like one of those things. And, like, they don't really have a lot of uh, a group. Uh, ben Stiller, obviously, yeah. which we uh, said. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, Casey die. Affleck. I think he's Ben Affleck's but he's been a lot too. Uh, Alan Alda. Yep. Uh, Matthew Broderick. Um, Michael Pina as uh, Davro. Uh, that's the the guy from Ant Man. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do the he plays pretty much the same character actually. Right. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Galbri Sidibia. Uh, she's uh, I think she's the lady that played Precious. My passion. Oh, really? Have you ever watched that a movie? Yeah, the big girl in Precious. Yeah, because like she, Mate, she's a Jamaican her. girl in this one. I think she was in Precious. Is she actually Jamaican, or was that? Picture? Yeah, she, yeah, she, she. Precious was her first movie. Hmm. Uh, let me look where she is from. Because this one, no, she's, she's from New York. What? She's from New York. She put on the accent. Oh, she put on the accent. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I well. Yeah, she did a real good job there. That, or maybe I'm just stupid. Maybe I don't know what a real accent you, sounds like. You okay over there? Yeah, it's just tangled. CJ got his wires crossed. Yeah, Sparky likes to get a little too close and cross wires. It's always my fault somehow. <laughs> well, it can't be mine. Welcome, welcome back, bud. By the way. Uh, we're able to mess with you again now. Yeah. Sid and I were getting pretty toxic at each other, trying to trying to create jokes out of thin air at each other, uh, and now we can just direct them back to you. Yeah. Now we got new material for a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, we can finally bring back bald jokes. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. And I'm, ginger chin hair. I am not bald. I am shaved. Yeah. You're shaved. Bald. The sides. Oh, agree. Your sides are shaved. <laughs> if you grew your hair back out you'd look like uh, that dude from from star wars the empire strikes back that had the the thing on cloud city tucker fry <laughs> oh yeah that's too. <laughs> or hulk hogan <laughs> hey. the blonde in the ball dude i was actually looking at a picture of him the other day he his beard is completely white oh yeah he looks it's bad kind of impressive like even santa doesn't have that white no but so dude this is a star-studded cast yeah this is pretty yeah. full and out of everybody who who uh out of everybody on it who was your favorite 
favorite favorite actor right now you think throughout the whole thing Who definitely do you think the best definitely eddie murphy me too me. i think eddie murphy he he brought the most energy he every had the scene. most charisma in every scene i think yeah it's like uh, my my favorite to look at in the movie was definitely kate upton oh yeah well yeah well sure yeah I mean, that agreed. Was I, agreed i i guess like skill wise i don't know alan alda man he, he kind of he blew that part out of the water like being that big of a stockbroker dick yeah he did just kind of came naturally to him like every everything he said was a shot to somebody and you felt everything he said yes he's, most most people remember alan alda from mash where he's that upbeat uh kind of snarky jokey i knew i fucking knew him from somewhere this this was kind of a role where he was like the the darker person he was um just uh he, he's, he's like the, the villain yeah he's he, the he's villain a, the he was a scam artist and he was yeah. just thought he was above everything and just looking down on people and uh make, make sure the help doesn't spit yeah he food. always found a way to step it in that polite dag yeah you know like little dagger so yeah that, that was a that was a good role for him and yeah. I, I thought he nailed it but i actually uh who, who was the actor who who played the guy who lost everything um, Matthew before. Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Oh my god, I loved his his character cracked me up every time too. He always pl- seems to play like the mousy, like, yeah, real quiet, real real beta guy. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? That's Ferris Bueller, dude. Yeah, he played yeah the exact opposite. <laughs> are you, are you telling me even in the music man? Are you telling me that Ferris Bueller wasn't a mousy beta male? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. <laughs> Ferris Bueller got the girl, danced on the parade float. Yeah, and dragged his wimpy friend around. Yeah. He actually forced his friend to do dumb he, shit. He got away with crashing a car and nothing happened. Yeah, Full disclosure, they... I have not seen Ferris Bueller in a good 20 years, so. Oh, dang. Well, uh, but, so after after going through all these characters, who do you think... Going through the characters, right? I, any movie, I always try to pick what character I think I am, mm. right? And watching this one, I was like, man, I think I'm Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, right. just, just Eddie Murphy's character. Was it uh, Slide? Yeah, it's Slide. Yeah, yeah, you're you're Slide. Yeah, who would you be? You think? Ah, uh, honestly, I think it'd be Matthew Broderick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said that too. <laughs> so, so we wanted to play a little game to try and like guess each other who would like who would play what. Uh, and for a hundred percent, both CJ and I earlier said that you were Matthew Broderick's character. <laughs> My wife divorced me, and she's taking the kids and going to her upstate house. <laughs> With her parents. I, I told the kids we were we were playing camping. That's why they took the furniture away. <laughs> Luckily, my kids aren't bright enough, but they have friends who are pretty bright, and they're catching on. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, for mine, I I honestly thought like I would be Ben Stiller. That's kind of giving myself a little too much. I don't uh, know. I thought that. I I come up with like dumb ideas, and I mean, I would probably be the one to go off the hinge and. Take a golf club to a car. I, I think I, I think you you're a really good planner. Right. So yeah, I can I could see. That. I saw that too. I thought I saw Ben Stiller. Stiller. <laughs> ben Stiller, like he's a Steeler player. 
that. But but now, now that I kind of look at it, I also think that I'm Charlie or Casey Affleck that plays it. Like, oh yeah, that that was my first pick, honestly. For you. yeah, that like I, I would kind of be behind the scenes or do this and maybe just there for support and kind of. I don't know, have the wife that's pregnant and kind of focused on that and trying to do my own thing, yeah, but then but coming back to you guys at the very end. I was going to say, but you let us down too, though. You take the job. Yeah, but then he comes in and saves Yeah, and he comes back and saves, yeah. No, he just saves his life and then goes, well, fuck, this car's made out of gold. They did it. Okay. Might as well stay now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't come in and help. He came oh, in. He, to- he totally he vented gonna- Carlos. He still was going to call people. He still was going to call people. But but he didn't. Because he figured out the car was made of gold. True. He could have called way before him. Yeah. He could have called the police and said, hey, something's going yeah, he, he didn't. Yeah, he could have called security. He didn't have to personally go up and save Matthew Broderick. Ah, good point. Good point. Also, if anybody would mix up uh, Japanese and Korean, it'd probably be. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was... no, he thought he he thought she was Chinese, right? And she was Korean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, that's why she's smart. See, see, right, right, fucking there. I don't know my Asian cultures mixed up Chinese <laughs> and Japanese. Right there. Right. Hey, hey, hey. We need to stop the Asian hate. <laughs> right. So, so Drew, get on. Uh, who directed this? Uh, director was. Same guy, uh, who, Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner, the same guy who did the Rush Hour, right? Yeah, I believe Dang. so. Sparky, your knowledge always gets me. Well, he said you're it's ridiculous. Oh, I was gonna say you're pretty, you're pretty good, you're pretty good with this movie crap. <laughs> he said it. Uh, right, Rush Hour box. Films, Family Man, which is a really good movie with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Family Man. Uh, X Men: The Last Stand, uh, Horrible Bosses. He was the producer for that. Uh, Revenant and War Dog. All right. Well, uh, let's get into uh, it a, then. Wait, wait. Olivia Munn, Natasha Henstridge, and Elliot Page uh, all accused him of sexual harassment <laughs> in 2017. So that's pretty close. So, yeah, yeah that's Hollywood. Who in Hollywood hasn't been accused of sexual harassment at well, this point? Though? It's because they do. It's because they, it's find because weak, they actually uh, they do. do. Yeah, <laughs> and they find weak and vulnerable women, and they're like, let me we touch you. Famous. Yeah, I'll give you money. Let me touch you. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get you a park, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I can make your daughter famous. So, uh, starting out, uh, you meet Josh Kovacs. He's a building manager of the tower. Uh, the tower is Trump Tower in disguise. They, they made yeah. it fictional for the movie. Actually, uh, I it think... Is a, well, as he was chasing the car in that one scene, I think you could see the Trump Tower <laughs> in the background, just like for a, a brief minute. If they did, it would have been an error because it is, it is noted that it is Trump Tower. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, but it's uh I, I marked as a upscale there. apartment complex uh, in New York City, um, and one of the most famous tenants is Arthur Shaw, which Alan Alda plays. Uh, Arthur Shaw is a Wall Street mogul, uh, number 43 on uh, Forbes, uh, 400 list. Uh, just a really rich guy. He, this guy has a money uh, inlaid pool on the oh, very yeah. top floor. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he lives on the top floor, so he has the Fun most house, money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is the only person that is able to use that pool. He has his own personal elevator up. Uh, has the penthouse and 
you know, a really nice apartment, really nice things in it. Um, and it goes through kind of more of the, the staff. You, you meet all the different people. You meet um, Eddie Murphy is like one of the guys that Josh meets on his way to work. Uh, he is one of his neighbors and he's a noted criminal. Gets into fights with his girlfriend a lot. Uh, different things like that. Casey Affleck is his brother-in-law. He's married to uh, Josh's sister. Uh, and he is the concierge service. He's always fucking up. Um, yeah, it's kind of... But they, he they tries. kind of make a point to note that he's like... He tries, but he's not really that great at his job. Right. Exactly. And- he, even later on in the... Uh, in the movie, he, like, explains, like, listen, I've been trying, but I've still been fucking up, and I hope you can still follow me. Right. Um, Eddie then Murphy, you have... too. Eddie Murphy, one of the first things he says to the characters, he calls him a bitch. <laughs> so yeah, as you, he's walking. You, you walk by me again in that suit, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck, fuck you up. up. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck your butt, is what he says. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Then one of the most important people you meet is Lester, the doorman. Uh, he plays a very big role huge in the movie. Role. Yeah, a huge role. Um, so one of the driving and, aspects of the of the film, like they actually get into the heist primarily because of Lester. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Yeah. Sure, but sure, um, if everybody is like super favorable to the staff, they all like working there. All the tenants are very nice and uh, things like that. Um, and they finally meet Enrique, uh, who is new to the tower. He wants to be an elevator man, used to work at BK. Plenty of stories about that. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he actually has a cell phone on him. There's a whole scene about that where Ben Stiller, like, <laughs> sniffs out the fucking cell phone. Where is it? I can hear it. It's faint, but I, I can hear right. it. right. Uh, he just doesn't understand how things are working at that time. Well, I think I think that whole scene is to show how good Ben is at his job. Oh, oh yeah, how committed he is. How to his committed job. he is to his yeah. job. I mean, really, the whole first front part of the movie is showing you how well this dude knows the hotel and his job. It, it's one part Ben Stiller and his role in the hotel and how right. good he is, and. Another part showing the dynamics of the staff and how they interact with each with, other. Exactly, like, with him. Like how they're basically a family. Mm-hmm. And the inner workings. Right. right. And you meet some of the security guards, which they come into play a little bit later. And then you meet uh, Josh's boss, uh, who is, he's a famous actor, I don't know, Judd Hirsch, I think he is. Um, but he's kind of a dick and wants everything to run well and puts everything on Josh. Right. Um, and he tells him that he's going to have to evict uh, a tenant. They've never had to evict a tenant before, so uh, they go up to the apartment, or Josh goes up to the apartment, and this is where you meet Matt, Matt Broderick's character. Um, he used to be a Wall Street mogul. Uh, his floor is, you know, near the, his apartment is near the top, but not all the way at the top. Um, and you can tell that he's fallen on hard times. All of his furniture is sold. Uh, there are tents in the uh, living room, like the the kids don't know what's going on yet, uh, and they want to evict him. Uh, and Josh kind of has a little bit of a good heart and says, "You know what? We're going to do some elevator maintenance tomorrow. That'll give you a few more days to get out." Because Matthew Broderick's like, "We just don't have anywhere to go." I think it, that was also supposed to show the connection he has with the people. 
Uh, yeah. You know, it shows, he has a good heart. Yeah, it's it's more than that. It's how well he knows. Yeah, the, uh, that was his connection to the guest because yes. his boss was on him like, get him out of here right now. Right. But he was like, you know, I think we're going to have some issues with this and this tomorrow. So you, you're going to have a few days. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and, we're not going to let the bank people up. Well, They'll have to come back. Right. And not just that, but I think it shows like how well Ben, once again, knows his job Mm -hmm. so throughout this whole movie they're showing you like look he's the one who even deals with every person he deals with the staff he deals with the with with everything that goes on in this in this hotel right i I guess one of the main points that we need to mention about josh is he like i said he's very friendly with the staff but one of he says he's not but he is a personal friend to alan audit's character shaw here Yes. Um, he plays chess with him. He gets, you know, this, that, and the next thing. He's very, very nice to him. Uh, but then Alan Alda treats him like shit. We'll go into that. Uh, as After they're walking home that day, uh, Lester uh, tells Josh that he is retiring. Uh, mm-hmm. Eventually. Like, like, probably at the end of the year or whatever. Um, so the next morning, they're, uh, uh, he's walking to work. Um, gets to the hotel. And he sees this car outside because he's talking to Lester. Uh, and they think that somebody is trying to rob the tower. Armed robbery. Uh, they lock all the doors and everything. And uh, out come police people from the car. FBI. And they storm the tower. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And in the hecticness, uh, there's a laundry car that's supposed to be leaving. But it's not supposed to be there. And you get all kind of frazzled here. Uh, and then the car takes off through the gate. The the delivery van takes off through the gate. And Josh, being the good guy he is, like, chases after him because it looks like that the that Alan Alda's character is getting uh, kidnapped. So they think it was a robbery, then it turned into a kidnapping. And then the car crashes. Yeah. Uh, I think... And they... Fu- I was going to say, it, it starts out, basically, they see that black car sitting there. They don't know what it is. They note that it's been there for a while. The doorman even says he called the cops several times about this black car. That's what makes him think, oh, a robbery's going down. There's been robberies going around in town. Mm-hmm. So then they start watching. They they secure the whole building down. And that's what caused What's-His-Face to get kidnapped through this van and run out. Right. And then that's why now they're out on the street. Yeah. Uh, so that truck busts through the gate and crashes... Uh, and then the FBI open up the crash van uh, and detain Alan Alda's character. Uh, at this point, you learn that Alan Alda's character has um, been embezzling. What the exact terminology is uh, he's been stealing people's money, money that he's supposed to be investing. And to show you how much Josh is a friend of his, when he was getting kidnapped, Josh purposely trucked it on foot to try to keep up with the van. Yeah, to show oh, yeah. you chased him like Terminator, dude. Yeah, it's like did... as. As they're putting the handcuffs on him, he's still trying to, like, push his way through. He's like, no, no, he's the victim. They were trying to kidnap him, all this stuff. And then they're, they're like, no. They're, they're trying to explain to him, no, he's wanted. He he has a warrant out for his right. arrest. He was trying to escape with the FBI. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the next day uh, comes the biggest problem of the entire movie. Um, Josh had asked Alan Alda's character to invest everybody's retirement portfolios 
and they found out that everything is gone. Yep. Um, that leads into uh, later that night, Lester tries to step in front of a bus or a train to commit suicide because he had further given Alan Alda. Oh, even more of his money. Like, yeah. yeah, it was like seventy. Well, he has nothing left. Seventy, eighty thousand dollars. He he right. gave him furthermore because he wanted to like double his portfolio or triple or whatever. Yeah, he promised to triple right. everyone's money. Right, and yeah. and you know Ben being his friend, he signed up everyone's pension to him. So now all their pensions are froze. Right, and then his money's fucked. Right, so now they go. They go uh, back to the hotel, right? Yeah, they they go back to the apartment building, and uh, it, like this is where kind of the crew comes together. Uh, Enrique's the elevator man. Uh, Josh is there. Um, yeah, and Lester's in the hospital, so he's kind of taking a smaller part. Uh, but then uh, Matthew Broderick's character pops in, and Casey Affleck's character is like they're trying to talk Josh down, uh, and they all go up to the. Uh, to the penthouse mm-hmm. uh and they confront alan Aldo's character to see what's going on yeah, at this point and he at this point he's on house arrest uh he was released on like yeah. 10 million dollars bail um he has like uh guards posted outside his door you just cannot leave his his penthouse mm-hmm. at all yeah he has a house arrest with two armed fbi guards outside yep um so they kind of fake that they're going in for the trash and the, the food order, uh, and they confront Alan Alda, and uh, you can tell that he is lying straight to their face. Uh, I was doing this as a favor, and everybody just sees completely through it. Uh, pisses off Josh enough that he grabs a golf club and starts beating the well, shit. the big thing that set them off was the trick them. They talked about what happened with the... Lester. Lester. And then they told him, oh, yeah, he walked in front of a train. And then they noticed he never asked if he lived or died. Uh, fair fact. He did get pulled back. Yep. Before the train hit him. Before so. the train hit him. Yeah. Uh, but then Josh gets mad and takes a golf club and starts beating the shit out of this uh, 1963 uh, Ferrari I think it's a two. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, 1963 cars. Ferrari 250 GT Lusso. Steve McQueen's race car. Yeah, it was Steve McQueen's car. He, he literally has it parked in his living room. He brought it up piece by piece and had it assembled right. there. It lets you know how rich this man is. Right. Right. Um. So yeah, then uh, then he gets then the FBI comes in and um takes him away. Um. Then. Josh gets in trouble for that the next day. Actually, everybody gets in trouble for that. Uh, Enrique gets fired. Casey Affleck gets fired. Um, Josh gets fired. I think those were the ones up there. Maybe Matthew Broderick was another time. Um, so at this point, they start trying to figure out what's going on. Josh has an epiphany that a safe was placed uh, in Alan Otis' apartment somewhere. Uh, and Matthew Broderick tells them eventually that most of those guys keep like twenty million dollars on there. He uh, he in actually, their in their within realm. So he actually gets the idea because he was out drinking, drinking. with the FBI agent, um, Kate Upton. Right. And no, 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 <laughs> Tia Leone. 
Oh, right. Whatever. Sorry. Um, yeah, he was out drinking with her and she mentioned that, you know, well, we can do this through the, the legal process or you, you can do, you know, old school, like grab some pitchforks and storm the castle, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of like puts the seed right. in his head at that point. Which she also put the seed in his head to retaliate because when he was getting drunk, when he was getting let back into the hotel, I remember he made some snide comments to Josh after he figured out that he lost all his money. And she came up to him and was like, you're going to let him get away from with that right you yeah. know so she she pushes him to do this stuff is the type of character she is mm-hmm. um i was gonna say what after that she goes and he does get the idea right from her drinking it shows them bonding uh basically you know they, it, they there's kind of like the unspoken love interest that the two of them have throughout the whole movie um they, they start drinking together, and she puts the idea in his head. At that point, he goes back to the hotel yeah. under the guise that he has to get some stuff out of his office, and he's just going to be there for a couple minutes. And he checks his logbook. His, of course, he takes meticulous notes about everything, about all of his tenants. Yeah. And he eventually figures out that... Um, Shaw had done extensive renovations on his penthouse, yes. but had kept one wall intact for some reason. In the middle, in of, the the middle room. of the room. And that's where the safe is. That's, yes. that's where he figures that the safe is. With the $22 million, because when he got arrested, he only had 600 on him. Right. So, now he's coming up with this idea. And as he's thinking, he's trying to think of people he could get. And he remembers. He builds this crew back up of everybody that got right. Fired. It's it's the classic spy. It's the classic crew scene where the, the you heist, know, yeah. the heist where, where where it goes around. And he builds his crew. So it's the wronged people are now taking revenge. At, at right. this point, it's him. It's his brother-in-law. It's Enrique, and um, he talked basically everybody. Matthew, Matthew Broderick too, right? Yeah, he talked everybody Did who you? lost their job into it. Right, and then eventually. He was trying to think, now we just need a real thief. Who are we going to get? Then he remembered, oh, that guy I pass every day who calls me a punk-ass bitch <laughs> is arrested. Yeah, he, he got arrested in one of the scenes. Like, the cops are taking him. He goes, uh, hey, uh, use, uh, tell Ray to use that bail money that uh, I told her to get her teeth fixed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, Josh knows that Sly is uh, in jail. Uh, and the whole group bails him out, um, and Sly starts joining the crew. Uh, at this point, he needs to know that they want to prove themselves and that they're not punk-ass bitches. Uh, and I'll go into more detail because this is one of the funnier scenes. So they all go to the mall, and uh, Eddie Murphy's character goes, uh, I need you all to steal $50 worth of something. He goes, if you want to steal $20 million, you're going to have to start low and steal $50. Right. So each person goes there off different ways. Well, first... Uh, he goes, make sure make sure that you keep your wallets here, because right. I ain't going to try and have you buy anything and say you stole it. So, uh, uh, Casey Affleck's character goes and eat, like, tries to eat or keep it in his mouth like an earring. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Enrique steals a pair of shoes. Kind of fitting there. Yep. Um... Matthew Broderick uh, like goes onto a fitting room and starts 
putting clothes underneath and like a whole bunch of expensive sweaters and stuff. Uh, and then Ben Stiller's character goes into uh, like Victoria's Secret or something and steals underwear. Two panties. Two panties and a sun candle. Yeah, it is. Then they then they go back to the table where they met at, and uh, he's like, "All right, everybody, show what you have." And Casey Affleck put the earring down. Enrique puts the shoes down. Uh, the guy puts the sweater down, and Ben Stiller pulls out two pairs of panties. And Eddie Murphy goes, "I never seen two pairs of drawers cost fifty dollars." And then he pulls out this giant scented candle and goes, twelve dollar candle." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that kind of proves him. And at this point, Eddie Murphy's character starts training them on how to trim so it. The, the funniest part of the movie for me was, like, after they all showed their, their haul, uh, he gets up and starts to walk away. And Casey Anthony's character is like, well, how, how do we know you can steal? you got to prove yourself. And he just looks at him and said, well, while you are all stealing $50, I took 200-some bucks. Rule number, rule number one, don't leave your wallets with a thief. And they all pick up their wallets and they're fucking empty. I uh, the where he starts training them is one of my favorites. I love the scene where, where he, on the rooftop. Yeah, he locks them on the rooftop in the freezing cold, and he's like, "Now I taught you how to pick an, uh, a lock earlier. So here's your bobby pin. Here's your bobby pin. Here's your bobby pin. Here's your punk ass bobby pin. If you need me, I'm gonna be sleeping with Rita." Slams the door. Who's Rita? <laughs> like I said, Eddie Murphy brought stole so much energy to that character. It was awesome. He stole the so, show. So he continues to train him, and after a little bit more training, they decide to have kind of a meeting about how they're planning and everything. And they scope out the building a couple times, but the one that's really important is they're all meeting in Ben Stiller's house. And uh, they're planning this and telling about the safe and so on and so forth. And the FBI arrives at his front door. Uh, everybody hides except for Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller answers the door. And uh, the lady that he was flirting with at the bar, the FBI agent in charge of the uh, Shaw case, says, um, yeah, so Shaw is going to press charges against you for beating the shit out of his car. Uh, he said he will drop all the charges uh, if you do a formal apology. Yep. And he's like, well, you know, I kind of have to do that. I don't have the money to deal with that or anything like that. So they, um, uh, the FBI agent leaves and the crew comes back to the living room and uh, all shit kind of breaks loose to where they don't trust him and things like that. And he's like, well, now I have a reason to go there and scope the inside. Right now, now I now I can actually go in there and look around. That that scene was actually one of my favorite scenes, like just for the writing, because the the subtext between Alan Alda yes. and Ben Stiller, there is just so much tension. I, yeah, I love those two characters. Right, because every time they're in a room together, they're uh, at, <clears throat> well. At first, they felt like friends. They honestly felt like friends. Then after this, every time they were in a room together, the subtext, like you said, just the body language and everything was, was perfect. It was always, you could feel it between them, the hate. The hate that Ben just wanted to slit his throat, and the other guy knew it, and he was just stepping on his pride each and every chance he got. It was like, every scene with Alan Alda after his kidnapping, 
you you see him get like darker and darker you see his, oh, his he's a snake he sees his true personality yeah, his come true out colors. to the point where he's just not even hiding it anymore and he's just like making these backhand these backhanded comments and like like i said like he, he tried to tip ben stiller and he's like uh make sure you bring up my food yourself I, spitting I, yeah I, I don't want the help to to spit in my food Stuff, stuff there's yeah. there's actually a foreshadowing moment in that point uh where they're not allowed to accept tips at the tower uh and eleanor tries to give him that tip it says bring my food up and he goes i'm sorry we don't uh tip we don't accept yeah. tips at the tower and eleanor goes oh i forgot sometimes i forget the rules yeah. stuff like that to me so so ben stiller goes to apologize to eleanor and he kind of sucks up his pride and does it, but right. you can tell like it's he didn't ass. like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that'll come into play here in a little bit, but um, then they get, then they find out that there's a safe, a particular kind of safe, like a super really good one. And slight doesn't know how to deal with it. He doesn't do anything, which one of my favorite lines from him is uh, there. Matthew Broderick goes, can you break into that safe? And he goes, uh, no, I only steal stuff from balconies. <laughs> and he, he goes, and I never steal anything more than $1,000. And Matthew Broderick goes, uh, well, what do you steal? Potted plants? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, no, I steal satellite dishes. So it turns yeah. out that Slide is more of a petty criminal. He steals oh, yeah. like satellite dishes yes. and gets um, illegal... Uh, cable hookups from through one of his friends. Right, stealing satellites. Uh, so at this point, they need a safe cracker, and uh, everything kind of falls in place for this one. That's yeah. one of the parts I didn't like. Yeah. Uh, the big lady who plays Precious, um, she, the Jamaican lady, yeah. she, uh, her father uh, was a locksmith in Jamaica and taught her a whole bunch of stuff. So she knows how to crack that safe real fast. So they bring her in along with the car. I, well, one of the the lines that stood out to me, like they showed her the picture and like, do you think you can get in here? And she like rattled off the specifics of it, and then she kind of shrugged and said, eh, "Probably take me about fifteen minutes." It's like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so, so Ben Stiller uh, thought that this lady was mad at him because she he lost all the money like investing it with Shaw. And he goes, let's address the elephant in the room. And she goes, what did you call me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that was the best one. She's a big lady. Right. What did you call me? <laughs> um, so uh, the a lawyer goes and shot, cuts into Shaw's uh, apartment. And his lawyer's there. And he tells the FBI agent uh, that his court case got moved up to Thanksgiving. Which we find out is a, a ploy from the crew. Uh, they uh, did that specifically so he would be out of the apartment. Um, and then while they're overscoping the, uh, or while they're still there, uh, Alan Alda says that no matter, even though uh, Josh apologized, he's still going to press charges once it's forfeited. Yeah. Which just um, shows more of his character and his, like his ambitions. Right. Yeah. You also find out that uh, right at the beginning, Slide's not there, and you find out that he stole a suit and he's going in. 
Well, we, we have two Benedict Arnold things. One's the day of the heist. Um, at the very beginning, when they're scoping it out still, uh, you see Casey Affleck's character, the brother-in-law, uh, go into the tower. And you find out that he is actually offered Josh's old position back at the tower. He's been welcomed back for a higher position yeah. to take over the league, um, which kind of takes him out of the crew. Uh, and then Sly isn't there, and he stole the suit and is trying to do everything on his own. He <laughs> thinks that he has a connection with the safecracker lady, and uh, he doesn't need the rest of the crew, so he doesn't have to split much. Well, he uh, he she showed him how to open it, so he thinks he can open it, mm-hmm. yeah. is what happened. Uh, uh, so now starts Thanksgiving Day. Uh, parade is going right in front of the tower and they're trying to use that as a distraction. Um, Snoopy comes by and all the uh, staff comes out to look at Snoopy. They sneak in the back door. Um, and the rest of the staff gets distracted with cake from the safe lady. Um, and Sly goes to the manager's office, the Josh's old boss, um, and tries to, he pretends that he's from the bank. And tries to go up to the uh, Fitzhugh's old apartment to see how the construction is going. Locks the manager in the closet uh, so that he has almost free reign in the building. Yep. Um, the safe lady uh, tries to drug the FBI agent outside. And the guy is allergic to chocolate. So she just rams him with her cart. So she... <laughs> yeah, she rams him with the cart. Rams him in the knees with the cart. Why... Does that make him... Why does that knock him out? Ramming him in the shins with a cart. I don't know. I think it, like, threw him back and he hit his head against the wall or something. I don't know. Well, I don't know. You ever been kicked in the shins? It's a bitch. Now, imagine all that. that. That'd make me think. I played soccer. I never... Imagine Precious charging at you with a, 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 a giant food cart. I mean, that, that's got to have a lot of massive momentum behind it yeah and he didn't have his seatbelt on (laughs) so everybody works their way up to the uh apartment the penthouse uh and they start trying to look for this safe uh and they take crowbars and bash open the wall that they think it is and boom they find the safe now they need to open it so josh they're waiting for yeah josh was right right. the safe was there they find the safe they, uh... And Sly comes up the elevator uh, and holds them all gunpoint. Yep. Finally, they open the safe. They realize, oh shit, there's nothing in there. It's empty. Right. Boom. So Sly held them at gunpoint, but then Jamaican lady came and held him at gunpoint, and Matthew Broderick, kind of, his balls kind of dropped, and he got the gun and was holding him at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, sit down, yeah, you punk ass bitch. He finally gets tough. Yeah, you bitch. My my favorite part of that whole scene was um, the Jamaican lady went to go crack the safe, and she walked right between Matthew Broderick and Eddie Murphy, and Matthew Broderick was just like, <laughs> he was like trying to be all professional about it, like keep her out of fire, and then right, right back. <laughs> When when they open up the safe at that point, they realize that there's nothing in it, and the scuffle kind of happens, and Sly tries to grab the gun from Matthew Broderick. The gun goes off and actually hits the Ferrari uh, that Ben Stiller's character had already beat the crap out of. That makes Ben Stiller kind of look at it, though, sees the bullet hole, and all around the bullet hole is the shredded paint 
but then there's also gold underneath the car. So to just to clarify, when he beat the Ferrari earlier, he smashed the. He windows. only did the windows. Yeah, he didn't like touch the paint job, so he 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 didn't notice until this moment that there was like gold underneath. Right. So it, it yeah. wasn't until they actually shot it that he noticed. Oh, this is actually made out of gold. So the more they look at it, the more they realize that the entire car, not just the hood that got shot, is made of gold. The wheels are made of gold. The fender is made of gold. The roof, hood, whatever, everything's made of gold. Uh, and they kind of do the math, or Matthew Broderick's character does the math, and realizes that it's probably about $45 million. Yeah. Much more than the $22 million they were trying to look for. Right. But now the problem yeah. is... How did they get it out of the apartment? When it was built in there. Right. And at this point, um, Shaw and his FBI entourage, they get to the courthouse to find it locked. And an attendant comes up to tell them, uh, we don't have any court cases this day. The, the, the judge is out of town visiting his family. And they kind of put some pieces in their head. We need to get back to the, the apartment, the, the, the penthouse. So they're it's a diversion. Something yeah. Happened. So they're starting to head back. They're on their way. And it's funny what the thing the FBI agent says to uh, Broderick was, "Is there a reason anybody Alder. would want you?" Oh yeah, Alan Alder. Yeah, but is there a reason anybody would want you out of out of your apartment? And you can see his eyes get real big, mm-hmm. and he says no, but his body language says, "Fuck." <laughs> So, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. So they need to find a way to get this car out of the apartment. And uh, one of the ideas that they have is that four stories down, uh, the doors are out of the apartment uh, in uh, Matthew Broderick's old house. So they need to get it down four floors. So Enrique goes all the way up to the thing, gets the window cleaner uh, scaffolding, and brings it down to a certain level. Uh, well, some go down to the other one and they open up all the windows and they take this car and hook it up and pull it out the window and then drop it down on the scaffolding or no they, they hook it to the yeah, they, yeah, they, they hook, hook it to they it. like hook the bumper and, it and then like they yeah. pull it up and then drop it down yeah yeah and then they try and have they attach a rope to the front so that somebody can pull it into the fourth floor uh, meanwhile, the FBI is rushing back and they're trying to get through this parade that's stopping them from doing it. Their diversion is working absolutely perfect. And the fourth floor is because that's where they were doing the construction. Right. Yeah. Um, so Matthew Broderick character goes to grab the uh, rope and winds up dangling out the, out the uh, underneath the car. And this, is, uh, this is where we get a little bit of redemption from Casey Anthony's character as he Affleck. K- Affleck, yeah, sorry. Casey Anthony. Case- sorry. Casey Anthony was that kid killer. Yes, sorry. <laughs> My mistake. Moving on. So Casey Affleck kind of redeems himself. He jumps in and pulls Matthew Broderick back in, and then they manage to get the car into the, the under-construction apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And they try and figure out what to do with it even further than that. Uh, and they put it on top of the elevator, yeah. which and th- that, that was that was kind of the moment that suspended belief for me because yeah. most elevators. That's like, what I thought. It's like yeah, only a couple tons. Yeah, they're carrying What's, capacities like maybe a thousand pounds. Yeah. It, it's not well. No, you got to figure that is 
a high-end plate. They didn't stock it with a shitty elevator. Uh, still even uh, 14? How many people? Yeah. But because that car has to weigh. Yeah, how, how much did he say that car 2, weighed? 2,000 pounds? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that here in a little okay. bit. But it, it's, yeah. it's like 2,500 pounds. Yeah. Okay. So even at 4,000 pounds, I think that's a high-end elevator weight. That's not yeah. going to pull it, right? Yeah. It? Uh, I don't know. But. Well, as he's looking that up, there's kind of like this um, comedic scene <laughs> where they're on top with the Ferrari riding it down, but then the FBI and Shaw get in and ride it all the way back up to his penthouse. Yeah. And so they're kind of back where they, where they started. Uh, and basically. on the way, uh, when they were shoving the car inside the elevator, they... Uh, obtained a dog oh yeah the old lady the, the so old, when the so, old dementia lady's dog yeah so when they were on top of the elevator the dog would bark and they're looking around like did something just <laughs> fucking bark high-end elevators can hold 8500 pounds okay All right. so it's a fair bit yeah. okay isn't yeah. that like a like an express in industry elevator though which those were they were fairly yeah. big heavy elevators they were they okay were. so um to, to be fair, Ferraris are fairly light. Okay. Yeah, that is true. So 2,500 pounds is not exactly, you know, your average car. No, no. So, like, like we said, the FBI and Shaw get back to their apartment. They kind of, the, the, the jig is up. They, they, they found, realize yeah. the car's gone. The car's gone. He's sweating bullets now. You can see him freaking out now. Actually. But the FBI agent realizes that the wall safe has, that there is a wall safe and that the wall's broken and everything. And that there wasn't a wall safe in the original outline of his, uh, yep. what is it, P- search of the P. Oh, uh, uh, whatever. Yes. Well, his, his plans. So, uh, re- real quick, his really, really important detail right before they put parole. The, yeah. Right before they put the car onto the elevator, they're trying to find the keys for it. And, um, yeah. Ben Stiller is going through like the owner's manual trying to find it, and he finds a little book, which is going to be really important later. Yeah, he finds the book well, up in uh, the visor. I, I mean, he, he says what it is right then and there. It is uh, Shaw's ledger for all the stuff that he's, all the crimes that he's committed. Yeah, so he can keep track of his money. Right. Okay. Yeah, it shows, um, it shows the real money, who he took from, so, what he did with it. So Alan Alda realizes that the car is missing, and doesn't really freak out about it too much like he, he's mad and he knows that it could potentially be bad uh but then the fbi agent says that the safe was against the parole and takes him down to be arrested throws him in the back of the swat car um and then they kind of had an idea about everything that was happening and i don't actually know how they knew that the crew was the one behind it so they kind of lead it as they were trying to get the the ferrari down in the elevator they called lester who you find out is actually in on this plan. Yeah. And they tell him to bring Slide's truck over so they can load it in and make their getaway. And at this point, they're down in the car, and Lester just takes off, and he he rams the through the gate again, and he's, like, driving through the parade, and the FBI is chasing him. They finally pin him, and they open up the back, and they find it empty. And they're, like, trying to blame Lester, and he's just playing innocent, like, I'm just a confused old man who tried to commit suicide. (laughs) 
And then I think they start bringing in his accomplices, right. which so, was Josh and Casey and everything. So they, they kind of put everything together, and there's like this montage scene where they arrest um, Enrique and uh, Casey yeah, they, Affleck. They catch all of them, yeah. And all the rest. And they, they finally catch up with Ben Stiller, who's in the park, and they, they take him away. And so everybody's in the back of the paddy wagon, like the crew and Alan Alda, and Alda is pissed at this point. Like, the the first words he says after, like, what I imagine is, like, ten minutes of silence is, where's my car? That's all he says. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, after laying lines on, on Ben and them before, telling them that they're nothings and they're easily replaceable workers. Right. And th- this is where... Ben Stiller pulls out his trump card. He was like, "By the way, I found your ledger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure you couldn't give a crap less about your car, but I'm willing to bet that the FBI would be very interested in your ledger." And at this point, Alan Alda tries to make them a deal. He's like, "Listen, I can make all of you very, very rich, but we're gonna have to make a deal." And it was Casey Affleck's line at this point. He turns to Enrique. Enrique. Enri- tell him. Enrique, tell him. And Enrique looks at him and goes, we don't accept tips here at the tower. <laughs> so, yeah, it cuts to uh, Ben Stiller in an interrogation room. And the lawyer lady uh, that used to work at the tower, she was training for the bar, uh, is now his lawyer and brings in the ledger and says, we want everybody to go free. This is all the information that you need to put him away. Uh, and I guess that's something that couldn't happen. Everybody but Ben Stiller gets off free for the ledger. Well, that's, ben Stiller's going to do like a year in jail. Or two years, two years because years. he beat the car. They couldn't get uh, him off that charge. He got off the other charge. He didn't get off for assaulting the car. That was actually another important uh, part of the movie. Um, we saw... The, the lawyer character, she mm-hmm. she worked at the tower, like you said, mm-hmm. and they she and Ben Stiller had this ongoing dynamic where she was pretending not to study for the bar, but he knew that she was studying for the bar, so he would always cut her some slack and tell her, hey, you can not study in my office if you want, and then we find out at the end that, oh, I passed the bar thanks to... Right. This guy's Bad. generosity, yeah. this, this guy's efforts. So now I'm going to step in, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a total badass. Well, do you guys remember the line she says? Because the FBI agent says to her, "This is your first case ever." Yes, and you're gonna blackmail the FBI. Yep. Sharks are born swimming. Sharks yeah, sharks are born, are born swimming, sir. <laughs> Great line. So they give over the ledger, Josh goes to jail, Shaw goes to jail, uh, like Shaw should, uh, and then that kind of lets you wonder, where is the car? Uh, and it cuts to the next scene at the very top of the pool, and the car is submerged in the pool. Yep. Because, and they don't say how they went past it from that. Right? Actually, well, and, and it was great, because when, when What's-His-Face got arrested, the first thing he told him was, hey, cover my pool and turn off the heat, I would hate to waste money. Exactly. <laughs> So they knew, uh, boom. So uh, evidently at some point, and they don't go really into detail with that, but uh, they get the car, they 
break it up into individual pieces, and everything now, becomes right as rain now, because they part out the car. Right. This is my and biggest, give it to the biggest fucking issue God. I have. What are these people gonna do with solid gold parts? Yeah, everybody's yeah. looking for a gold Ferrari. You yeah. can't just go somewhere with that, a that, gold. But that, no, nobody knew about that, it. That was a nice visual, dude. To no, me. it's just missing. They don't know who owns it. You're right, but they know the Ferrari is still missing. Hey, what has a grill with the Ferrari? <laughs> Regardless, for for the listeners, uh, they take the gold Ferrari and they give it. They ship it to the members of the tower. What do they expect them to do? Melt like, it down? Yeah, that, that was a good visual to me. It's like it gives the audience closure about what happened. But at the same time, can you imagine somebody <laughs> walking into a pawn shop with like a solid good? wheel rim be like how much can i get for this they'd be like where the fuck do you get that don't ask questions well who knows maybe you sell it to a a savvy person that wants the entire car uh so they buy all the individual pieces from everybody and each person gets the money based on that yeah but dude that's still gonna take years that's gonna take years and years and years to get your money what everyone wants 22 million or something for it like i mean then again you could just melt everything down yeah but that uh, who's gonna do dude that's still that that would have been better though if they if the crew actually took the car melted melted it down down somehow and then sent everybody bricks yes and like that would have been that would have been more and like almost it, it showed like three or four people getting these packages and all of them are getting like this giant wheel rim this giant grill the steering wheel and then the one guy gets like the fucking carburetor which fits in his hand it's like really well see i actually, yeah but it's thick yeah see it's i thought i thought metal. i thought the girl that got fucked off the most was the girl who got the grill because it's just like a couple lines of gold with a ferrari logo where a dude at a I steering mean, the ferrari wheel, logo itself is. yeah but the dude at the steering wheel think about how heavy and solid that would be right the other person actually had like an inside motor part that has to be a heavy son of a bitch yeah my- my mind goes back to, was it really Steve McQueen's car? Steve McQueen's car wasn't gold. No, it was a replica, I think. It was based on the car that he drove, but I don't think it was the actual car. Because I think that's been missing for, like, decades, right? Yeah. No, somebody found it. Oh, they Okay. I'll go into that here in a little bit. Yeah, they found it, and I think it was some really old dude just had it in his backyard. <laughs> I think it's, you know, one of those collectors who just had him forever in his backyard. But, all right, Drew. Where, uh, so, where, I was going to say, let's, let's get on to this Ferrari. Yeah. So, uh, Spark and CJ, I wanted to play a little game with you. Um, in the movie, uh, they say that the car's weight, uh, is like 2,500 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they say that the car is worth like $45 million. Now, that was 2011. Take a random guess at what you believe the price of such a car would be today. I'm going to say 60. Oh, you took mine. I'm, I'm going to say 68,000 plus or minus 500. 60, 68 million, I'm sorry. Plus or minus. I was going to say 1,000. Plus, plus or minus 500,000. Uh, yeah. I can't see it going up much more than 20 million. 
Okay, but I'm going to guess 70. Hmm. 70 million. Uh, CJ is the closest without going over. Uh, it is 84 million. Damn, a one up 80 dollars or 40 dollars. 40 million, yeah. 40 million, 40. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. That is the new price of it. Damn. How uh, much? And I did also a little research. Uh, the Ferrari itself, if it wasn't Steve McQueen's, is like a million dollars. If it is Steve McQueen's, which somebody had it, uh, is like four million. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So where was it? Junk. Where was Steve's? In a junkyard or something? Uh, no, I think it was just passed down through collectors the entire time. Oh, uh, okay. I don't think that one was actually lost. His, uh, his... his or, no, something spider. Some, the one that he, like, crashed. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. would you like to get to the uh, tomato rating? Yeah, give me one second. Huh, while we're doing that, uh, Sparky, would you like to venture a guess about uh, what you think the Rotten Tomato rating is? For the movie? Uh, I read it got mixed reviews, so I'm going to say... I'm going to say 68%. Uh, CJ, would you like to guess? Uh, I'm going to guess 53. Mm, okay, so both of you are very close in different situations. Uh, the audience score is 48%. Mm. So CJ, very, very close. 5% within. Uh, Sparky, the tomato meter is 68%. (laughs) No. Damn. Damn. That was, well, I enjoyed it. I think everybody should go watch this movie. I I like it. It was an amazing movie. From the start, it kept me sucked in and paying attention. Yeah, I like the writing. I I think they did writing, a, acting. A, a really good job with the character portrayals and yeah. the, the dynamics between yeah. the different characters. Um, yeah, there, there were very few things I didn't like about that. I think this is the best one we've d- reviewed so far, period. I mean, not that they were hard to beat, but period. Yeah, we were kind of trying to do stupid movies before that. Yeah. <laughs> Drew. Uh, yeah. Do you think that the tomato rating reflects this, or how do you feel about the movie? Yeah, I mean, some people like it, some people don't. Uh, it is what it is. It, you know, there's some catchy things. There's some weird things that, you know, probably drop it down. I liked it. Uh, and yet again, uh, it is a great time for a Thanksgiving movie. That's right. You're going to sit down with all your family. You need something to watch. Watch Eddie Murphy. Hilarious. Be hilarious. He is funny in every scene. Uh, Honestly, no one really does bad. A bunch of great acting. Everything was good. I didn't mind the writing. I thought the writing was strong. Uh, The only downside was there was no epic music. You know, yeah, all the other yeah, ones had some like good score or something. The, the this music was kind of like your your basic heist movie playlist. It wasn't awful. It wasn't awful. It was kind of like but, the, yeah. the B-track side of um, National Treasure, I yeah. felt like. You, 
you can tell that there is not like a soundtrack to this movie. They just used like whatever was saved laying around. Yeah, yeah. Well, Drew, what's your personal score? Out of five, out of five stars, what's out? Out of five, four, four. I give it a four. Solid four. I give it a four too. So there you have it on this on this version of the takeout. We rated it four stars. <laughs> yeah, so go We're out. still waiting for that five star. Go out and watch Tower Heist. I'm, right. I'm probably never yeah. going to give a five star. Is it? I, I'm very particular about perfection. Well, and if it's there's five perfection, then we got to be. You can't be just handing out perfection. Right. Like, yeah. like nothing to me will ever be perfect. So I'm, I'm gonna give it like four and a half, four point seven. I'm almost. I'm probably never gonna give a five. Yeah, unless it's four. Yeah. Stump. But but then again, he uh, he listens to Meatloaf, so don't don't take him seriously. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, that's all we have on this episode of the Takeout before we offend any more people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. As always, thanks for stopping. It's uh. It's getting a little more fun around here. Huh? Yep. <laughs> oh, wait. I guess Drew, plug our shit before we get out of here. <laughs> We're on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor Podcasts at the Lunch Table PBJ. Assume that's how you're listening to us right now, so keep doing that. We love you. We want to see those views. Please. Yes, please. We try. We're on... Daddy's trying, munchies. Daddy's trying. We're on YouTube at the Lunch Table PBJ, uh, throwing up some good stuff there and uh, some stuff that you might not be able to see during the audio podcast. So go take a look at that. Uh, we're on Instagram and TikTok at the Lunch Table PBJ. CJ is a master of those, uh, and he puts a lot of work into there. So uh, feed his ego. Yes, please. I need it. We're it's on an addiction. We're on Twitter at Lunch Table PBJ. No the there. Uh, some cool stuff up there. Some polls and. Uh, regurgitation but we love that yeah. uh, we're on Facebook at the lunch table PBJ also at the munchies uh, on Facebook that's our fan group uh, if you want to show some support head that way uh, if you want to show even more support we're on Patreon at the lunch table PBJ uh, head on over give some give some we'll take some yeah I mean uh, give us whatever you got if you want to butter our bread that would really tickle our jam. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, so. As a final blanket statement, look for the circle with the PB&J on the inside with an olive on it. Because just like you, we're sweet. And salty. And nutty. With sticky fingers. <laughs> very nice on the hand. <laughs> sticky and nutty palms. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to think about the butter in your hands. In the palm of your hands. Hand butter? You never had some good old hand butter? Oh my god. Huh? As always, thanks for stopping. Boop, boop, boop. Later. Come, come.